Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So welcome, everyone. So good to see all of you this morning and to be with you. It's good to just take a moment and look at the screen and feel the loving support of community that we have in our uh, Long Beach sit, which now has many people not in Long Beach. Um, just take in the faces. And these are your spiritual friends on the path who are here not just to support their practice, but to support your practice the loving kindness that we feel is extended to our community. Um, our commitment to practice, our desire to practice, the energy and effort we bring is shared. Um, so when I look at your face, I see my face and my desire to practice, my desire to uh, continue on the path. Uh, so, so yesterday, um, we had in our Saturday sit, thanks to Ollie, who, who volunteered, uh, we brought in readings from Thich Nhat Hanh to honor Thich Nhat Hanh. And I wanted to continue on this theme um, this morning. And uh, 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 thank you, Ollie, for jumping in so quickly and helping us with the sit. Much appreciated. And um, maybe this is something we could do again in the future is have everyone bring in a reading from Thich Nhat Hanh like we have with poems and have a share just like that. And if that's something that interests you, let me know. Um, I think that would be delightful. So this was an interesting week. Uh, Joel and I, we, we had to um, get our house tented for termites. So we packed up all our things as you have to do. And uh, we got in the car and went up the coast to a mo little motel with our dog. And um, such is life that sometimes everyday things can be um, overwhelming or discombobulating, you know, just trying to get everything in its place. And um, after a restless night, I woke up and I, the TV was still on. I didn't realize that I hadn't turned it off. And uh, one of the newscasters was um, playing a clip of Thich Nhat Hanh. So early in the morning, seven in the morning, I'm barely awake and there's Thich Nhat Hanh on the television. Uh, uh, it was a, a video clip and um, the uh, event that, that they were um, broadcasting was a speech he gave after 9-11 in New York, two weeks after 9-11 in New York. I don't know if any of you had seen this uh, speech and it was most beautiful. It really touched my heart, touched my soul. I wanna share a little bit with you of that speech. Uh, let's see where it is, yeah. Um, he said, um, 
my dear friend, and this was in 19, um, no, I wrote a few, so give me a moment to just find the one I wanted. Yeah. He's talking about when he came to the, to the US in 1966 during the Vietnam War. My dear friends, and just take this in, feel it in your heart if you can, just sense yourself as you listen. Uh, when I got angry during the war in Vietnam, I was very, very angry. There was a lot of injustice and many thousands of friends of mine, uh, many disciples of mine were killed. I got very, very angry. Uh, one time I learned the city in Vietnam of 3000 people were bombarded by American troops just because some guerrillas came to the city to try to shut down American aircraft. They did not succeed, these guerrillas, but the city was destroyed. I was really angry. At the time, I was already a practitioner, a very solid practitioner. I did not say anything. I did not act because I knew acting or saying things while I was angry is not wise. It creates a lot of destruction. I went back to myself recognizing my anger, embracing it, and look deeply into the nature of my suffering. I was able to understand the nature of my suffering in Vietnam. Not only the Vietnamese suffer, Americans suffer as well. American young men who went to Vietnam to kill and be killed underwent a lot of suffering which still continues today. The family of these men, uh, the nation suffering also. I could see the cause of the suffering in Vietnam is not the cause of soldiers. It is a kind of policy. This is not why, it's a misunderstanding and its roots are in fear. I decided to go to America in 1966 to call for the cessation of violence, which caused my exile. I was able to see the real enemy of man is not man. It is ignorance, discrimination, fear, craving, violence. That is why I did not have hate for the American people. I came for peace to look deeply so that um, the government could revise your policy. Um, I met with Robert McNamara. I told him the truth about suffering. Hatred and anger was not in my heart. Um, and this beautiful message I've heard before, you've heard before, but so early in the morning in this quiet peace, when I heard Thich Nhat Hanh say, hatred and anger was not in my heart. Um, this beautiful presence, his being, just filled the room. It just filled the space of the room that all of us have the experience in our lifetime 
of a teacher, a Buddhist teacher who suffered so much horrendous tragedy and saw so much violence um, and loss and was able to say hatred and anger was not in my heart. And that man was not the enemy, uh, but ignorance, discrimination, fear, craving, greed. Um, and in his transformation through his Buddhist practice, he became a vehicle all over the world for non-violence, uh, for peace and for practice. Uh, it just filled me with gratitude to honor this great being at this time. There isn't enough gratitude to honor and live with this great being. Um, so we kept, Joel and I kept looking at clips of Thich Nhat Hanh all week uh, and really enjoying the um, beautiful teachings of this man. Um, and um, he obviously met with Martin Luther King and uh, they wrote a treatise together on nonviolence. And some of it, some of in some of it you can read. I think I've posted some. Uh, Do not kill man, even in man's name. Please kill the real enemies of man, which are present everywhere in our very hearts and minds. The real enemies are present everywhere in our very hearts and minds. Um, Martin Luther King and Titnot. Han shared in the understanding of the beloved community, true sisterhood, true brotherhood, uh, inclusivity of all human beings, all life is recognized as sentient being. And they both took a deep bow to build a beloved community. And this made me feel grateful for our beloved community how we practice together um, and how it, our heart's desire is to build the beloved community that does not discriminate. So um, I was also reading, uh, there's a, um, a minister by the name of Nadia Weber-Bolz. I don't know if any of you have ever read or listened to her. And she was reminding, she, I was reading something on her, po, on her website, and she was saying how in this time she's reminded of the overwhelm and overload we often experience in her life. She had a little rundown apartment in Brooklyn like some of us have had, and she talks about how um, the electrical wiring was so old that uh, if she um, pressed the toaster, put on a lamp and had the radio on, the whole system would blow and she was back at the fuse box. And this would be her everyday life. And if any of you have lived in apartments like this, you can relate uh, these old rundown apartments that, that um, sometimes we inhabit. And what she was pointing to was a lot of our daily experience in this time is a lot like the old electrical wiring in an old apartment, you know, where you have a pandemic 
and COVID? And should I test or not test in my mask? And who's ill, who's well? How do we deal with this? Um, the politics of our time, the racism of our time, the economic instability, the, the Supreme Court, you know, it just goes on and on. And we can be like that fuse box and go on overload. A lot of us are seeing outbursts of anger, anxiety, nervousness, and um, where our practice can really help us with reactivity, overwhelm, and overload. That the whole um, teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh and all our Buddhist practitioners, every time we cultivate mindfulness through a mindful pause, through the breath, through mindful walking, mindful eating, speech, noticing our thoughts, noticing the body, noticing our emotion, noticing impermanence. Every time we're practicing, whether it's a little or a lot, or on a full retreat or for a few moments, we are cultivating the capacity not to be reactive, not to have a fuse box that goes, you know, into overwhelm. We're cultivating resilience. Every moment we practice like this, and we don't always notice. And very often we take, I have, uh, and when I say we, I mean this in a very general way, that uh, I've taken the practice for granted. I've taken Buddhism for granted. Oh, I know what the Buddha said. And um, in times like this, I become grateful for this basic uh, practice that we have, this momentary practice. And while we were on holiday on the coast, if you want to call it a holiday, um, there were some beaches where I could walk the dog and the dog could run freely. And that was really nice. Um, so one day I was at the beach uh, north of here on the coast. And I happened to meet a young man who had a dog who looked just like my dog. And they really got along and they were palling around. And so this young man and I went on this walk and we sat around and we became pals. Um, and we were talking and just sharing our lives while our dogs played together. It was very pleasant. And um, at one point we were just kind of leaning on a rock and my dog was very close and his cell phone rang. And he answered it. And apparently it was um, his uh, partner. Uh, and there was a disagreement between them. And the next thing I know, this young man was screaming in rage on the phone to, hit, hit to his partner. And it went on and on. It wasn't a little scream, it was like, a wild rage attack. Uh, he was losing it over something that was going on in their life. And um, I was just standing there in shock and my dog started to shake and hide. And I, you know, like the dog was showing me emotion and, and I was just frozen. We normally um, hide our 
uh, darkest part of ourselves behind a closed door in our home. And if we're going to be aggressive or mean or, or um, infantile with our loved ones, as we do sometimes, it's usually where the public doesn't see it. But this was just right in front of my face. And um, it made me grateful again for that pause that we cultivate, that breath that we take, the walking meditation that we don't, we've learned in Buddhism that we don't react, that we don't just lose it. Everything we do in a mindfulness practice teaches us not to harm verbally, physically, emotionally, not to lose it and not to react to the loved ones in such a harsh way. That doesn't mean we won't do it. And um, in fact, this was so relevant for me to watch this young man lose it like this because I felt inside anger. And I felt in some ways I was losing it. I was angry this week about some political things. I was angry this week about some economic things. I was angry this week about some of my life stressors. And it was really, when I saw his anger, I could see my anger. You know, he wasn't separate from me. And I went back to look for more Thich Nhat Hanh clips <laughs> on anger. So I wanted to share a little bit on that. Um, about anger. I also uh, coincidentally read um, a very interesting piece along the lines of anger. Um, there was um, this therapist somewhere in the US, I can't remember where, and she had so many people calling her women, moms calling her with small children who were complaining um, about the fact that they were losing their temper at home way too much because they were having to work from home sometimes or going out, homeschooling when the school shut down, um, the schools would close down they, and um, you know the whole managing COVID, uh, children zero to five don't have vaccination, which is hard on young moms. And um, women uh, who are moms are sharing the burden of the work in the home. And we're reading about this all the time. And many women are just angry. They're losing it. They're frustrated. They're tired. And rightfully so. The childcare isn't as um, abundant. A lot of childcare is closed. So this uh, therapist was getting all these calls and all this uh, outreach for help as Linda's nodding her head, I have gotten the calls as well. And these wonderful, lovely, lovely women who are saying, I lost it, I yelled, I screamed, I don't like myself. I don't like what I'm doing, I feel ugly, I need help. Um, and uh, these are just hard, hard times, the circuit breaker in the apartment, you know, where, where the wires are fired, they're crossed, we just can't take it. And all of us have lost it in ways we don't like. 
So uh, this therapist organized a scream out. And um, what she did was she invited the moms of this town to a field, a football field at the back of a high school, I think. And she let them all scream. They all screamed together. I hate it. I can't take it. So, so the whole idea of anger, I love this story so much. I thought this is uh, a strategy to bring compassion to the pent up rage we feel when life is hard. And for sure, life is hard. Uh, even for the most privileged of us, life is hard. It's challenging. It's challenging in so many ways. And it's not even equal. There are people who of, of color, of poverty in third world countries that have it even harder. But even with privilege, life is hard. And so she gave them permission to experience what is really there, what's real, what's the truth of their moment, and to do it together as community in compassion. Now, I'm not saying we need to organize the scream out, but we could. Um, but what I am saying is the idea about anger is not to suppress it or push it away or say, I'm not a good Buddhist when I get angry or when I feel rageful or when I hurt someone. Um, this is not healthy either. We have to be honest and allow the anger to be present. So I'm going to read some of Thich Nhat Hanh's words to you about anger and just settle, settle in and take it in. There's nothing new. Um, you're all bodhisattvas and you've heard everything I'm saying many times before. I'm not uh, coming up with anything new. So this is from Thich Nhat Hanh. I'll read a little bit and just allow yourself to take it in. Knowing the real roots of anger transforms anger. So knowing the real roots of anger transforms anger. We get caught in blaming the environment, the other person, a government, rightfully so. But um, we want to focus on the suffering of the angry person, whether it's ourselves or another, and transform that anger. And the way we transform that anger, and these are Thich Nhat Hanh's words, go home to yourself mindfully. I just love that sentence. Go home to yourself mindfully. Come back to the body. Come back to the breath. Come back to walking, seeing, touch. Bringing awareness and consciousness, we go home to ourself in the body. Go home to yourself mindfully. We have to um, recognize and embrace anger. Calming transforms anger. He says, embrace your anger like a mother embracing a baby. Embrace your anger like a mother embracing a baby. I think of this therapist inviting the, these uh, moms, and I'm sure dads could come to, uh, to embrace their anger, yes, like a baby. Um, use uh, loving speech. Write some things down. Um, and then he gives um, families a way he wants you to write down on a postcard, which I love this. 
um, or a, a little index card. Darling, I suffer. Use the word darling, he says. Darling, I suffer. I'm angry and I want you to know it. You are doing your best. I am doing my best. I'm practicing mindful breathing, mindful walking to take care of the energy of my anger. Sometimes we just need a reinforcement of these small messages of mindfulness that we're practicing to take care of our anger, our frustration, uh, the difficulties. In order to bring relief, I will look deeply to see what's at the root of my anger, to see if it's my wrong perception that created the anger. I'll find the root. Maybe there's a lack of uh, compassion or understanding. Darling, I'm doing my best. Um, when you're a practitioner, you don't have to react as we know angrily like other people. And he, he says, please help me. Um, we act very defensively when we're angry. I'm on my own. We act like it's, we don't need anybody, like we're prideful, we're on our own. We can say, please help me. Um, and when I'm really in anger, I don't say anything. So I'm um, going to put out these postcards all over my house. <laughs> Uh, and maybe you will too. And um, when I'm angry, I'm going to touch my heart and say, darling, I'm doing my best. Darling, I'm doing my best. And um, use the breath and the walking and the mindfulness to come home to myself, to come home so that these circuit breakers are not so much on overload. There's something else that I want to read um, that goes with this. And um, this is from Nadia Weber-Bowles, who is a Lutheran minister. And she is pastor and founder of a church called The House for All Sinners and Saints, which is uh, my favorite. Uh, my favorite idea for a church, the house for all sinners and saints. And she says, um, when I um, was in seminary, this older pastor said to me, Nadia, you know, I've seen you around for years now and you give off a lot of strength, like you're tough, you know? That's how people see you. And it's great, I admire it. But what is it that we don't see? And Nadia thought to herself, my God, that's the rudest question I've ever been asked. What is it that you don't see? You know, she was offended. And she said, I answered as honestly as I could at the time. And she said, I get my feelings hurt more than anyone would suspect. She said, well, that's a partial truth. I found myself asking a form of that question a lot though, after that encounter. What is that thing that's under that thing? What is that thing that's under that thing? And mindfulness takes us there in the four foundations. What is that thing that's under the anger? What is that thing that's under the fear? 
what is that thing that's under my suffering? What is that thing that's under that thing? The question has led me a little, uh, a little bit further. And I notice that the word is shame. How shame operates in our lives because shame, the shame, it can fill up like a quill uh, or a pen that can write its own shame in story inside of our bodies, inside of our minds, inside of our hearts, uh, that tries to tell us who we are and what we are worth, a story that keeps us moving in the same unhealthful direction just because it's familiar and just because we are scared. And I used to think the people who struggled with shame showed it. They're the ones um, who wear that story like a name tag, letting the world know um, who shame says they are. The ones slouched over, hiding, shy, trauma, wounds, a diminished sense of self. But I started to see that all of us are equally defined by shame. We just carry it in different ways and opposite ways. We just uh, spool over our own energy into trying to improve our internal story wrong. We cover it and we don't want to admit it. And sometimes we use bravado, confidence, and even grandiosity. And we hope no one will notice because the deeper truth to the question that this pastor asked me is that my youthful swagger was protection. It was brilliantly strategic. It was brilliantly um, utilized. My confident posture hid the fact that despite the fact that no matter how my life looks on the outside, I still can feel like that skinny, bug-eyed little kid sitting alone at the lunch table in middle school. And this is her last line, and this is why I'm reading it. Shame is such a powerful driving force. If harnessed, I'm pretty sure it would replace fossil fuels. So in mindfulness practice, we do ask, what is that thing under the thing that's making me reactive in this moment? And we get the opportunity to, um, to mindfully release, let go, unpack um, through the practice what we're clinging and grasping onto. And if that doesn't work, I will meet you on the football field of a high school to scream. So that's the end of this talk. So Don, should we do breakout rooms or have dialogue? What should we do? I think breakout rooms are always a good way to connect. Okay. Before we go to the breakout rooms, I want to take a pause here because sometimes we lose a lot of you. We are, um, we, 
Don and I were talking, we need help on the newsletter. Um, the people who are working on it can't do it very much anymore. And I'm struggling. Um, some of you know that I'm not very computer savvy. Um, so if there's anybody who would um, like to volunteer or know someone, we might even have a few pennies to pay them. Um, please let Don or I or Casey know. Um, so that's one thing we wanted to say. And um, Don, did you want to say about the book club? Maybe you want to do that now in case we lose people? Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, the book club uh, is going to start um, in February. It's going to be the second, uh, second Tuesday of every month. Um, and I don't think there's been a link yet, but there will be a link in the newsletter. And um, you don't have to sign up. Um, you can just, you, the link will be there and available. And I guess the, the book that we're talking about will also be in the newsletter. But for this first time and maybe the second until, um, until we figure out how frequently we're gonna change books, it's a book called um, Advice Not Given by Mark Epstein. Um, and did I miss anything, Wendy? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. And um, I guess since we're making announcements, don't forget Donna. Um, since Sue's not here, I'll put that in the chat as well. OK, so those of us who would like to go into small group, let's do that. Um, and you could also put me in a group. Don, if you don't mind. And okay, so we are all back. Um, would anybody like to share with the larger group right now? Yeah. Um, in our group, uh, I didn't know what I was going to say, but what I did say kind of, uh, I think it resonated. And um, it, maybe it might be a good topic for, for a talk at a later point, but uh, you know, I tend to have more introvert tendencies. And so when a situation does make me angry, I tend not to blow up in the moment. And so it looks on the outside like I'm calm, but I will go off and I will ruminate on that conversation and had I said something, what could I have said? And um, having that argument that that never happened and never will happen in my head. Um, but then we were talking about how, well, that's going to affect how I am in the world. And so now I'm grumpy dad because I've got, I'm running all this energy in my head, holding on to something and, and replaying it. So we were talking about even if you don't react externally in the moment, you can react internally. And then that affects your interactions in moments that are totally unrelated to the thing that triggered you to begin with. Um, and then we, we talked about how it, it might be good to talk about that angle of it sometimes of like not anger out, but anger in and holding on to things. But Yes, thank you for bringing that up. That's great. Um, I, I don't know if you've had that experience, but I always love 
when I'm in a deep sleep and something like that happens where I'm ruminating over a disagreement or something uncomfortable and two in the morning, my mind is talking about disagreement and I wake up. <laughs> it's like, really? Am I have to mold this over two in the morning? Like, can I sleep? You know? So, um, yeah, I think that has a lot to do about our hardwire and the nervous system. And a lot of us, um, it's not mindfulness ain't the only thing in town, you know, although a good Buddhist teacher would say it is, but sometimes we have to begin to learn how to manage the nervous system that will go into fight, flight, or freeze, even around a small disagreement or, you know, um, something that might seem trivial, but, but there was a trigger of adrenaline um in the nervous system for the, for unlogical reasons for maybe a reason that makes no sense and then what we're really talking about is mindfulness of your physiology how to soothe and calm the nervous system so that the mind isn't holding you hostage by uh the rumination and the thought um so yeah that would be a great a great talk i'll have to We'll have to remember that, you know, and bring that up because there, you know, it's skillful means to get the mind, the body, the nervous system to release it. And it works differently for different people. We're all not one nervous system. Um, we're all not one nervous system. So thank you for bringing that up and more to follow on that. So take turns and, um, I just have a real quick yeah. thing that I read about when we put our stuff inside our body. I read I read it in a, one of the Buddhist books that I read, and it said we do violence to our body. And that word was brand new to me, but I think it really um, tells us what we are doing. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. So it is a, a wise speech, but it's it's body and mind. Um, they go together. So sometimes it's soma and sometimes it's mind. But yes, thank you for that. That's great. Rick? Rick, did you want to share? Do you want to unmute and share? Yeah. Unmute though. All right. Okay. Thank you. Um, I've, you know, they changed the format of Zoom a little bit and it's been a bit challenging for me to figure out what's going on. But um, so Don was telling my life there. <laughs> was that Roberta Flack song singing my life? Um, and, but um, anyway, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, my psychiatrist told me that um, you're a nice guy, you know, and so um, nice guys get angry. Um, and it's something that is, you know, stuck with me. But um, I just found myself yesterday, I had a situation with some partners that I'm working with. Um, we're getting ready for a um, three-day thing at the Conscious Life Expo next week. And um, we had a miscommunication about when we were going to meet. And um, it seemed to me like they were less than considerate in terms of my 
time. You know, we were supposed to meet at a certain time. They changed it. Then we were supposed to meet at another time and they changed it. And I, you know, responded about what needed to happen. And, you know, I contact, I contacted them in both cases and, you know, I was waiting for somebody to call back and we ended up meeting yesterday and, and, you know, talking about it, but in the in-between um, earlier in the day, I'm just kind of, you know, going on about it. And, and I just, what, what came to me was I don't really, really, really know what was going on with them. I know what I was imputing on it. I don't know what I was, what was going on. I know that I was thinking that they were being, that they were pretty, you know, self and self-absorbed in terms of their time. And, you know, it, it just seemed they were not aware that other people might want to do other things besides wait for them, you know? So um, it just, you know, I just kept coming back to not knowing. And when we did actually talk about it, um, it was a little bit prickly, but at the same time, I, I think it came with, I was able to come out with the spirit of, I don't really know what happened. And what, honestly, what happened was they were, they felt like they were trying to be considerate of me uh, in, in, in their, you know, in, 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 there's so many different ways that we can miscommunicate. I mean, texting is the worst, <laughs> but um, the, the absolute worst way to just miscommunicate. Um, and then um, just a lot of times conversations and such. So, I mean, I just really felt what Don was talking about and, and I've, you know, it's really been a, um, it's put a lot of poison in my life as Linda would say, or as her quote would say, um, and at times, you know, the, the rumination, the um, anger, and it's, it feels, it, it's often feels inescapable. And I'm, you know, I realize that I see it, I, I feel it, um, but it's just, it's really a deeply ingrained, um, you know, it's just like a uh, program that just, you know, stuff like that happens. I'm just like forever bitching. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things we can do right now with the ruminating mind is to use that touch over your heart and just to really say to yourself lovingly when the mind is ruminating it's not you it's the mind and it's darling i'm doing the best that i can you know the ruminating mind will pass it's impermanent too um as annoying as it is so um that's a good place to pick up on on a next talk if i can remember <laughs> we can pick up on the anger and have another um uh, another sit on that another topic on it so good so don is going to um lead us in uh, meta loving kindness and dedicating the merit and we will then say goodbye have a wonderful day don well, just like you and just like me all beings long to be happy and free from suffering many kindness and gentleness, goodness and insight that we've realized here this morning go out to all beings, no exceptions. May all beings have happiness within and the causes of happiness within.
may all be free from suffering and its causes. May all never be separated from true happiness, genuine well-being, free from delusion. May all live in equanimity without attachment or aversion. May all live knowing the equality of all that lives. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.